The Bible passage uh, we will be looking at this morning is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Allow me to read it out for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. We're kicking off a new sermon series on, on the book of Philippians in the New Testament in the Bible. And this book, Book of Philippians, is often referred to as the joy episode. The word joy or rejoicing uh, pops up 16 times the 104 verses that there are in the book, which means there is one reference to joy in every seven verses in the book of Philippians. So obviously the central theme of the book is this joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I guess you could call this the, the central verse of the book of Philippians, which is why I've titled uh, the sermon series, Rediscovering Joy. We're going to be spending a few weeks, um, eight to ten at least, I would imagine, just working our way through the book of Philippians, one chapter at a time, one verse at a time, one passage. But this morning, I, I'd like to spend our entire time just reflecting on this one verse. And, and I'm going to use this verse as some kind of an overview or, or uh, introduction or some kind of a preparation for our journey of rediscovering joy through the book of Philippians. So we're going to be meditating just on this verse this morning. Do you want to be joyful? Think about it. Do you want to be joyful? It's, it's a weighty question. How strong is your desire for joy? Do we, do we really want to be joyful? If our Lord Jesus were to show up right now and, and say, Ask me three things. You can ask me any three things and I'll give them all to you. No questions asked. How many of us would have joy in our list? How many of us have, have made a newer resolution saying, this year, I'm going to be joyful? No, joy never figures on anyone, any one of our newer resolutions. How many of us have prayed for joy even once in your life. One time in your entire life, have we prayed joy, God fill my life with joy. Think about this. Do we actively pursue joy? We pursue our careers, we pursue food, we pursue a good holiday, we pursue a safe and secure future. Uh, we pursue relationships. We pursue marriage. And these are all good things. Gifts from God. Do we pursue joy? 
subconsciously we may think that these things give us joy and so we pursue them my question is slightly different do we pursue joy here's my thesis this is the fundamental assumption i'm making as we begin the sermon series on rediscovering joy through the book of philippians and the fundamental assumption that i'm making is that we don't care enough about being joyful that's that's a, that's true of my heart fundamental assumption i'm making is that joy is not important to us which is why we don't pursue it we just too busy chasing other things in life to meaningfully pursue the joy of salvation that god gives us pursue true gospel joy that god gives us and this is such a loss to all of us do we even know what joy really is can we can we put a, are we able to put a finger on it and say this is joy if i ask us what is fear we can all tell what is fear if i ask you what is worry we we, we know what worry is we know what anxiety is we can put a finger and we can define worry and anxiety can we define joy our generation is perhaps living in a poverty of joy when it comes to gospel joy i have to admit that i feel as if we are all beggars living in a poverty joy don't hear me wrong you know i'm not being a pessimist here i'm not saying none of us are ever happy i'm not at all saying that nobody ever experiences happiness in our lives you know that's not what i'm saying but i am calling you to think about this question is the happiness that we all frequently feel is that deep true biblical joy and i want to invite us to answer this question for yourself I'm not going to judge. I can't judge. It's up to us, each of us, to answer for yourself. And so, I'm going to walk us through seven reflections on biblical joy as an overview, as an introduction to the book of Philippians, because the theme is joy. And I want to invite us to look at each of these seven reflections to to reflect, to introspect for yourself, and and ask yourself, are you experiencing true biblical joy? So here's the first. reflection the true nature of gospel joy the true nature of gospel joy what i'm about to share now is the big idea in the book of philippians it's the most central idea in the entire book of philippians and we're going to be coming back to this idea over and over and over again in uh, through the sermon sermon series and, and i'm going to take a moment to to just illustrate this idea for us uh through 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 a chart what most of us how most of us operate on how most of us operate is we see joy here in our lives and there are things many things 
which bring us which bring us joy it could be a career it could be marriage it could be finances it could be having a, a great beautiful home some of us and and we kind of feel that these are things that bring us joy and that's the premise in which we live in now let me say up front this is not biblical joy this is not the joy the bible talks about this is not the joy that all is talking about in the book of of philippians let me show you kind of joy that philippians uh, and paul and, and the entire bible is talking about it begins with god it begins jesus and jesus births joy in our heart and we take this joy take this joy into different circumstances in our life we bring the joy of christ to bear on a career we bring the joy of christ to bear in our marriage this is a true picture of biblical joy this is the big idea in the book of philippians the big idea that i'm talking about and i just try to draw out in that chart for us is circumstances do not bring us real joy we bring real joy to circumstances circumstances do not bring real joy we bring real joy to circumstances let me show this to us uh, through the book of philippians paul on one of his missionary journeys he came to philippi and um, and uh, philippi is a very 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 special place for paul you know why that was the first time paul was thrown into jail preaching about jesus christ first time paul was jailed was in philippi everything started well uh, you know it is the holy spirit through a vision who kind of asked him to go to philippi he followed that the vision of the man of macedonia and he went to he goes to philippi things go well he meets this woman called lydia very influential woman very successful woman the lord opens her heart she becomes a believer things start off well but they turn out bad and paul gets into big time trouble for preaching the gospel and he gets thrown into jail and it is not a pretty scene at all allow me to read that uh, from acts chapter 16 verse 24 this is the first time paul is visiting philippi the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrate tore the garments off them publicly and gave orders to beat them with rods and when they had inflicted many blows on them they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely having received this order he put them into the inner prison which is the high security prison and fastened their feet in stocks that's that's how this journey of joy for paul in philippi begins in jail in stocks being stripped being being beaten we know the story amazing things happen uh, you know there's a miracle paul set free from prison but he has to leave philippi i really want to encourage us to read through the uh, chapter acts chapter 16 sometime this week because acts chapter 16 uh, is the is like the prequel to the book of philippians uh, as we're going to walk through philippians would be really helpful if you read acts chapter 16 as a prequel it describes how the church in philippi 
was 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 burst. Now Paul is forced to leave Philippi. Uh, he then goes on to visit other cities, and uh, about ten twelve years later, he writes this letter that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. He writes this letter to the church at Philippi, and, and guess where he's writing the letter from? Prison again. This time he is uh, imprisoned in Rome. And so think about this. Paul had to leave Philippi abruptly because he was beaten badly and he was jailed. And when he is writing this letter to Philippi, he is again in prison. So if circumstances has to produce joy in our lives, the book of Philippians should have been one of the saddest epistles ever written. It should be called the epistle of sorrow, the epistle of suffering. Because whenever Philippi turns up, Paul happens to be in jail, happens to be beaten. But that's not how it is. Every time Paul writes in these circumstances, it is joy that is popping up. This is how gospel joy works. Circumstances don't bring us real joy, but we bring joy into circumstances. This is our privilege. This is what we can do as followers of Jesus. This is the biggest secret to true gospel joy. Followers of Jesus do not derive joy from the world, but we bring joy into the world like Jesus did. And so true gospel joy does not flow outside him but true gospel joy flows inside of us. We, we've got to get this. If we don't get this, we're never going to be able to discover or rediscover biblical joy. It flows from within to the outside, not outside to, to within. This is the big idea in the book of Philippians. We're going to be majoring on this idea over and over again. Like I said earlier, I'll be the first person to humble myself and say, hey, I haven't been a joyful person. My name is Anand, you know, which is kind of ironic. Uh, it's supposed to mean happiness, but hey, my default is not joy. I'm not a joy. I'm not a joyful person. And I need to grow in joy. And, and for, me, for me personally, I'm really excited about the sermon series because it's going to give me an opportunity uh, to really learn, to really sit at the feet of Jesus and learn to be a more joyful uh, person. Paul got this. He really understood this. Look at what he says, Paul chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether welfare or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what circumstances didn't matter for Paul, joy came from within. That's the first reflection of joy. Joy comes from within because of what Christ Jesus has done in us. How can we bring joy into the circumstances around us? That seems so hard. Is, is, is that even possible? That leads us to the second reflection on joy this morning. And that's, this is the second one. God is joyful. We worship a joyful God. 
if you enter into God's presence, you're going to find many things. You'll find holiness. You'll find love. But undoubtedly, you will find a happy, joyful God. Joy is full and oh, God is full and overflowing with joy. We, we see that right from the book of, book of Genesis, the creation of God. Whenever God made something, he found joy in it. He stepped back and he saw that it was good. God, joy is part of God's character. It's part of God's nature. There is joy in his very core being. So, if we are made in the image of God, this is where our joy comes from. Our joy comes from God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, another book in the New Testament, uh, Paul again, the writer of the book, he describes God as the blessed God in one of his passages. The blessed God. The word blessed that's translated in English in the New Testament uh, actually means happy. So when Jesus on the Sermon of Mount preached, blessed are the poor, he literally meant happy are the joyful are the other. So when, when Paul in 1 Timothy 1.11 describes God as a blessed God, he's saying joyful God. He's saying happy God. That's where our joy comes from. We worship a joyful God. That's where all our joy comes from. Our joy primarily comes from our creator. Sure, we, we derive joy from creation. That's okay. God's given creation for us to enjoy it. And, and take care of it, of course. But enjoyment is part of God's creation plan. But that is secondary joy. To enjoy, to find joy only in God's creation, created things, created stuff, and not find joy in the creator is a shame. And so this week in the gospel huddle uh, on Wednesday, we're going to be doing an exercise to, to turn this finding joy in creation, not omit it, not ignore it, but turn this finding joy into creation, finding joy not creator. We're going to be doing a few exercises that I'm, I'm looking forward to. This is exactly what, what also Jesus said. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Jesus didn't say, come to me for blessings and in those blessings you'll find joy. He said, my joy will be in you. So remember the chart that I drew in my, my lousy handwriting? Uh, Jesus puts joy into us and we bring that joy to bear into circumstances. If it is Jesus' joy that is in us, we don't derive. We are not dependent on circumstances to derive our joy from, but we can bring the joy of our Lord Jesus in to our circumstances, into our finances, into our careers, into our marriages, into our friendships, into our church, into the projects we do in, into our loneliness, into our disappointments, into our bitterness. We can bring to bear the joy of Christ into every one of these elements. The more we regain the image of God, 
through what Christ has done for us on the cross, the more joyful we will be. In one sense, growing in joy is growing in the image of God. That's a second reflection. God is joyful. The third reflection is this. We ought to be joyful all the time, always, unceasingly, no exceptions allowed. Yeah, that's, that's intimidating. That's really intimidating. Look at the words we're meditating on today. Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Is that even possible? Paul repeats this instruction again in 1 Thessalonians, which we looked at a few months ago, the sermon series, Waiting Well. And this is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. This may seem really hard. Impossible. But if you really think about it, if you're saying that our joy comes from the Lord and our joy is not dependent on the circumstances of this world, then this should be possible. Shouldn't it? Think about it. If our joy is coming from our careers, our careers will have ups and downs. And so our joy will have ups and downs. Our joy will not be constant. Our joy will not be always. If our joy is coming from marriages, I can assure you there are going to be some very good days in marriage and some really bad days. Oh man, those bad days suck. I can tell you. Right? So if our joy is coming from our marriage, we're going to have bad days. We're going to have days without joy. It's not going to be a constant. If we're if we are joyful only when we are partying with friends, being alone, being lonely, joy is not going to be constant. Let me flip this around. Let me flip around what I just said. If we are not experiencing joy all the time, we need to ask ourselves the question, is the joy that we think we are sometimes experiencing, is that joy at all? If our joy is not constant, whatever we think is joy that we're experiencing, is that joy at all? Because true joy, true gospel joy, always remains with us. In a believer's life, joy has got to be a constant. I want to draw another chart out uh, uh, for us. So take just a minute. Great. What we've been seeing is that in a believer's life, joy has to be uh, a constant, always. Uh, the joy of this is let me let me this is gospel joy. Take red line. The joy of our careers, oh, there will be ups and downs. This is how it's going to look like. And then the joy of um, uh, our hobbies, our passions, music, whatever, whatever it is that brings you joy. This will also have ups and downs. The joy of um, uh, finances, being blessed financially, being secure financially. This is also going to go up and down. But the only thing, and it's okay. 
you know, it's a broken world. This is how it's going to be. It doesn't matter whether you're Bill Gates, you know, or, or a beggar on a street. We all know the, the difficulties and sadness Bill Gates has, has, has been through. So, so nothing insulates people, you know, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your career, there are ups and downs. It's not going to be constant. The only thing that's going to be constant is true biblical gospel joy that comes into our hearts from Jesus. Here's the question. Here's the point. Here's the reason I drew that chart out from us in different colors. At least you don't have to deal with that. Writing that chart. Can you tell the difference between the colors? In your life, can you tell the difference? Can you tell the difference between what's gospel joy, what's worldly joy? Can you, are you able to, are you able to differentiate between what's true joy of the Lord and what's passing temporary, momentary joy? You know, as followers of Jesus, so often we confuse the two. We can mistake joy of the world the joy of the world. When we get too sucked into that mistake, something really sad happens. I'm going to call that the joy shift. The joy shift. Joy shift happens when we forget the joy of Christ Jesus. Peg all our joy just one thing. When we have forgotten to find joy in Christ Jesus, we have pegged all our joy. We have shifted the center of gravity of our joy has shifted away from Jesus into something. That happens, that's one downward spiral. It's one roller coaster you don't want in your life. It's going to give you eyes, of course, yes. You know it. You know deep inside your heart how miserable this joy shift can make you feel. Rejoice in the Lord of the center of gravity of our joy must be Christ Jesus. That brings us to the fourth reflection of joy from this passage, from this verse. We need to be reminded to be joyful. We forget to be joyful. We need to be reminded. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, today is just an overview. We're going to walk through all these chapters sequentially in the coming weeks. Today is just an overview. I want to help us just, I'm just giving us glimpses of different portions of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Then again in 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Why is Paul 
repeating himself over and over and over again. Why is he saying the same thing again and again? I'll tell you why. He's repeating himself because a pastor knows his congregation. If you've been part of New City for the last couple of months, what's the one thing I keep repeating again and again and again and again? Please keep your videos on. That's the one thing I've been repeating the most. Now, why do you think I've been repeating this again and again and again? Because I know as a pastor, people are not going to keep their videos on. Whatever reason. I'm not going to shame you by getting the reasons, but I know as a pastor that people are not going to get to keep their videos on, so I have to keep repeating myself. So Paul similarly knows in, in the context of Philippi that the church in Philippi is not going to remember to be joyful. They're going to forget to be joyful. They're not going to be joyful. And so he's exhorting them again and again and again. You look at the background of the church at Philippi later, but the church at Philippi, when Paul wrote this letter, was facing a lot of persecution. Nothing like what we see today. That was something else. And it was hard for them to be joyful. So Paul is reminding them, be joyful. It is your inheritance. You can be joyful. It is given to you. And so, just as we are facing the pandemic and we forget to be joyful, they were first say, facing the persecution and they forgot to be joyful. We all needed need to be reminded to be gospel, to be joyful. We need gospel community around us to remind us to be joyful. We need these conscious cognitive reminders and we need these subconscious reminders that we keep sending out to each other as we just gather together in, in community. And, and, and these reminders are multiplied exponentially if we are smiling and if we can actually see each other smile on, on video. It's one more plug to keep your TV videos on. But let's think about one more thing. How, how do we forget to be joyful? How does this walking away from joy happen in our lives? How do we walk away from the joy that, that Christ has given every one of us? And I want to show this uh, do this by helping us see there are three postures we can take in life. The middle posture is a posture of joy. Joy in Christ, which is our inheritance, which is given to us. Assured by Christ himself. But there are two equal and opposite ways in which we walk away from joy. So I'm going to give us a few of those ways. One way to walk away from joy is indifference. And the opposite way is ambition, selfish ambition. Think about your careers. You know, in times when we are really caught up in selfish ambition, it's very hard to be joyful, truly. Or in times when you're just so disinterested in work, indifferent, it's hard to be joyful. You can't be joyful in indifference. You can't be joyful in selfish ambition. You can apply this to anything else, not just work. Or it's very, this is again, the pandemic, it's going to be able to, relate to it. It's very hard to be joyful when we are lazy. Laziness and joy cannot coexist because we're going to feel really wretched about ourselves at some point of time. Sure, we enjoy lazing around for 
for one day, maybe two days, maybe, but at some point of time, we're going to feel wretched about ourselves. And, and the opposite of laziness is striving, trying to do, trying to prove ourselves. Very hard to be joyful. Licentiousness, thinking it's okay to sin. Oh, Jesus has forgiven us. Grace is there. Hard to be joyful in that place. And legalism, oh, I've got to do everything to make Jesus love me. Can't be joyful. So when we move into either of these two postures, we walk away from joy. Listen, we can be sad and experience joy. It's possible. Sadness and joy can coexist. We can, we can fail and experience joy. Failure and joy can coexist. Suffering and joy can coexist. But licentiousness and legalism and joy cannot coexist. Laziness and striving and joy cannot coexist. Indifference and selfish ambition and joy cannot, cannot coexist. Sorry. Let me say one more thing. A real follower of Jesus can never lose his or her joy. We can never lose it. No matter what. We can never lose our joy. We can forget it. We can forget what we have. And we need to be reminded. Now, I, I think of my own life. Uh, I became a follower of Jesus in 1993. And um, I was really sucked into ambition in my the early days of my career. Uh, this was probably uh, 2000, 2001. And I had this driving ambition. I wanted to be the editor of a business magazine and nothing else was important. Uh, at that point in time, I, I kind of, I, if I remember right, I spent an entire year uh, without, uh, without gospel community, without going to a church, without connecting with another believer. I think it was one full year because I was just so caught up career. Somewhere down the line, uh, something happened. You know, guess what? Something went wrong in my career. For you with the details, right? Maybe it was a bad boss. doesn't matter. And uh, the, the idol failed me. And then I decided, oh, there is this friend I had. There is the savior I had named Jesus. He can help me. And so I, I went to a small church in Delhi after that almost one year. I went with great shame. I went very awkward. I went uh, because I couldn't fix the trouble myself. Uh, so it was a very small, unimpressive church, maybe 15 people. People I didn't really connect with, honestly. Uh, actually, they were very different. But in the first five minutes, we started singing together. My heart opened joy. The dams burst open. I was filled with joy. And I realized, I mean, I, I, I can articulate it now. I didn't realize it at that, at that moment. Uh, I realized it now. I can never lose my joy of salvation. I can forget it as I did in that one year. But I came back. Again, me coming back was God's grace. You're going to that church that it was God's grace. I experienced fullness of joy. We need to be reminded to be joyful. 
That's the fourth reflection. The fifth reflection on joy. In eternity, there is no middle ground between joy and sorrow. In eternity, there is no middle ground between joy and sorrow. Remember the parable of the talents? We did a sermon series on it a long time in New City. Uh, Jesus called three, four servants and he gave them each ten talents, five talents, three talents, and he sent them away. They, they used the talents. One of them was lazy. He did nothing with his talents. He came back. The man to whom Jesus gave five talents said, look, Lord, I've come back. I've earned five more talents with it. And Jesus saw that. He said, he was very happy. He said, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. The verse will come up for us on screen. Enter into the joy of the master. Matthew chapter 25. And then this, this servant who took the money and, and buried it and did nothing with it, he came back to uh, this master and said, you know, you're a tough boss. I don't think I can ever place you. I did nothing. So here's the money back. And Jesus says, cast that worthless servant in out, out of darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. In eternity, there is no middle ground. Joy and sorrow. So joy is serious business, folks. It's serious business. You know, for those of us who are on the edge, who are kind of thinking about Jesus, is he really God? Should I commit my life to him? I have to tell you this. In the life to come, there is no middle ground joy and sorrow. Either we have the utmost inexpressible, inexpressible joys that, that no human mind has ever imagined. We have it all, or we have darkness and gloom and sorrow. Nobody has that There is no middle. The sixth reflection on joy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and so on. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. There are spiritual gifts, and there are fruits of the Spirit. A gift, you're given a gift. Praise God for the gifts he has given us. But joy is a fruit. It's different. What's, what's the difference between uh, a gift and a, and a fruit? Here's the thing with fruits. Fruits happen gradually. For a, for a tree to bear fruit, it needs sunlight, it needs water, it needs fertilizer, it needs pruning. These are non-negotiable. Everything must be there. You can't grow a tree without light. You can't grow a tree without water. You can't grow a tree without fertilizer or without pruning. All of these things have to be. And when these things fall into place in time, the fruit is worthed. If you want a fruit, you can't make a fruit. You can't um, let, me, let me say this. I say this carefully. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. You can't pray for fruit. You should pray for fruit. But the prayer for fruit is answered through a process that God's, God's guided. If you say, I don't want water, I don't want sunlight, I don't want fertilizers, I don't want pruning, God give me fruit. Not going to happen. Right? And, and so, 
in the life of a believer, of a follower of Jesus, there are three non-negotiables, absolute non-negotiables. Everything else can change. Uh, you can be in different churches, it's okay. Uh, you can be in one denomination, another denomination, it's okay. You can be in one city, another city, it's okay. But three things are non-negotiable. God's word, God's spirit, God's people. We've got to be sought in these things. God's word, God's spirit, God's people. If you're not soaked in all three, we're not going to bear fruit. We're not going to have joy. We're not going to experience joy. It's been given to us, but we're going to live our lives without experience. So that's the sixth reflection. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Allow me to close with the last reflection on joy. The gospel is the one source of all true joy. Who Jesus is and what he has done for us, that is the one source for all true joy. How did Paul remain joyful all the time? When he encouraged and exhorted the Philippians and he kept telling them again and again and again, rejoice, be joyful, rejoice, be joyful. Was it just an empty, shallow call to constant joy? Or did Paul also tell the Philippians how they can experience this constant joy. He did. He told the Philippians how we can experience this constant joy. And it's right there in the middle of Philippians chapter 2. Reading from verse 5 onwards. It's there for us on the screen. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Have this mind among yourselves, Paul is saying. That's key to John. What mind are we supposed to have among ourselves? The mind of Christ. Being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Went to the cross, was shamed, was beaten, bruised, died in our place, and rose again from the dead. There's something else that Paul says which we must catch, which is what I, which is the key to remaining joyful. That's what I want to close with this morning. It's from the same verse. Have this mind among yourselves. Which is yours in Christ Jesus? Think about what's happening here. Paul is saying, have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is to die and rise again. Paul is exhorting them, have the mind of Christ. That's his first statement. But then the second statement, which you already have. You see, Paul is not saying, strive to get the mind of Christ. Paul is saying, have what you already have. Possess what you already have. You know, every time we've read that that chapter, that chapter 2 of Philippians, this beauty of how Jesus, who was in the very nature of God, did not consider himself equal to be God, gave himself to death, death on a cross. We think, wow, that's so beautiful. What Paul is saying is you are capable of that. The capacity for that has been given to you. That's what this verse is saying. 
he's always saying, have this mind among yourself, which is the mind of Christ. Paul is saying, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It has been given to us already to experience the joy that Jesus experienced in his death and his resurrection. Possess what you already have. Possess what you already have. We don't have to go searching for joy. It's there. We just need to remember it. Allow me to pray. I'm going to pray that we will remember it. We will indeed possess what we have. Father, we worship you all. Or we need to rediscover joy. I need to rediscover joy. Joy is serious business, Lord. We must give it our attention. Joy, gospel joy, must be the object of our pursuit. Forgive us for missing out on this. And Lord, what losers we are. To live life, to have lived life with so little joy for so long a time. Lord, would you change it, Lord? If this entire series, as we give ourselves to studying, to coming under your teaching, your word in the book of Philippians, stir us, inspire us, inspire us, Lord. Help us rediscover the joy that your Holy Spirit has already abundantly placed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.